Milwaukee's MX Fuel equipment system revolutionizes the light equipment market by delivering the performance and durability demanded by the trades. From the MX Fuel cutoff saw to the MX Fuel tower light, MX Fuel has you covered without the hazards associated with emissions, noise, vibration, and the frustrations of petrol maintenance. MX Fuel, equipment system, equipment redefined. Attention sports fans, planning an overseas trip to catch your favorite games? Look no further than sports where I am. They've got it all. League schedules, trustworthy tickets, and over 200 cities to choose from, all conveniently on one website. Plus, as an Australian company, they know the importance of great customer service for those long haul journeys. So visit sportswhereiam.com and start planning your dream sports trip today. Sports Where I Am, your ticket to an unforgettable sports travel experience. How are you, big boy? Good, mate. Thanks for having me. Who would have thought? Yeah, oh, mate. I would have thought. <laughs> I, uh, I don't like starting with, I've got rid of the welcome back, everybody. We've got Jack Buckley here from the Giants. Yeah, well, you might need to do a little like blurb on Wikipedia for me because I don't think many would know who I am. Mate, everyone knows who you are now, I reckon. Oh, I mate. saw I saw a thing the other day, all Australian squad, and you're full back. Oh. I mean, no, this is like the mid-season thing, and to know, and this is why this story is so important because you've got one of the greatest stories we're going to tell. For anyone that are listening right now, this is the most incredible story. <laughs> I reckon, no, your journey growing up and and what you've been able to do to this point is one of the, uh, it's going to, you watch, everyone listening and watching, I don't want to put pressure on you. Yeah, this well, I've got to deliver now. This has been very, like, I've been working on this for probably one or two years, just trying to get you on due to the, like, when we started, just trying to work out how we're going to do it. You're in <laughs> Sydney, I'm in Melbourne. Don't, I don't want to get him nervous, but this is an incredible story and an incredible man. Um, but, mate, your form, like we all know, it's, it's, it's just great to see. Like, it, it doesn't, you're playing, you're playing full back after being a, uh, a half forward, slash wingman when I was there and doing a great job of it. Yeah, nah, I, it, it is funny. Like, I just get a lot of people sort of sending me stuff lately, you know, when it comes to some of the stuff in the media because I think everyone's just kind of surprised that I'm getting written about in the paper or like, you know, whether it's on Instagram or anything. So I try to sort of not look at it too much, but also like, you know, it's a big pump up and you, you know, after two years out of the game, and you sort of just want to get back out there to just be out there and and in some good form and then just contributing some wins like it's just massive and to be able to see the enjoyment like my family and my friends get yeah. out of it that's the main one because they're they're they, been there for the what, whole yeah, yeah. part so i can kind of see that now now that you've got no uh, ability to impact any situation that goes on but just to watch from afar yeah it's you're so passionate you ride every bump you ride yeah. every moment and and you know i can only imagine what they've gone through with you yeah it's exactly. awesome to see that you're getting a bit of a uh, polish you know as yeah. i like to say no the favorite part of my week is after each game and then she'll call me like a minute after game and it's like expecting me to answer <laughs> like i'm still on the field like shaking hands probably and she always leaves me a voicemail and she, it's hilarious. And she just, that's like the best part of it is seeing the, yeah. you know, my dad, my sister, my fam, the rest of my family, but my nan yeah. especially, like, it's just so good how much a kick they get out of oh, it. Oh, it's um, great. It's great. Yeah. yeah. I actually tend to reflect on, did I, I, I did, I think I did. I celebrated the wins enough. Yeah. I reckon there's blokes that I played with that didn't. Yeah. They yeah. were probably very good players. Nah, it's so and true. And I reckon they don't celebrate 
the wins enough. And that's something that I'm looking back and I go, no, I, I was always I great. Like my family always come over and I always got as many people into the rooms to the point where it's probably ridiculous. Yeah. But looking back, I'm so like, glad I did that because, you know, what I play 80 odd and then you might win half of them or a bit more. Yeah. So you're only actually celebrating half of them. And then are you in the rooms with your family? Probably yeah. 10 or 20 of them. So you've got to just celebrate with everyone. No, 100%. You? My first like 15 or so games when I just sort of came in, I was playing week after week. Like some of the wins, like, yeah, I probably didn't like enjoy them as much as I should have, like, because um, I was pretty hard on myself and like, you know, I didn't really care if we if I played well, if we played bad, if we won. But especially now, just being after being in the year for two years, being in the rooms after wins and not really being a part of it, just mm. being like an actual contributor again, it's just it's mates the best yeah. best you know sort of. You don't get long, you get maybe a couple of hours of it yeah. each week, but it's special and you just want to keep it going. It's the best feeling in the world. Yeah. We're going to get to all the footy stuff. We're going to go through, um, just to shape everyone listening, shape the podcast, I should say. We're going to go through Jack's journey because um, it's, it's, it's crazy and it's, it's, a, it's an eye-opener for a lot of people. You're going to learn a lot and it's a real special story. But before we go there, let's talk a little American sport. We are passionate NFL fans. It's our, yeah, your one would. It's mine certainly as well. And it's, where did the love of NFL come for you? Because, um, you know, again, everyone's got a different story. How were you first opened up to the sport? Well, it's like most through NFL fantasy. Me and a whole bunch of my schoolmates in about, I can admit it, Maybe 2015, almost 10 years ago, we sort of... How old were you there? Oh, it was sort of year 11, year 12, and we got a league going, and it was hilarious. It was still going, as they do. Like, once you start one, you end up having it for, like, 20 years. The best part. Yeah, exactly. Um, And then, so, we got going there, and then the competitive juices started flowing. So, me and, like, my best mate, his name is Dougal, like, we're obsessed, and we just went down this rabbit hole of just studying, like, you know, there's so many resources out there. And then that sort of just bled into just loving the game. And um, yeah, now it's just appointment viewing. Monday, mon- you know, we used to do it. <laughs> we, when we were playing, we used to get up Monday, 3 a.m., rolling a pre-season training <laughs> after a morning, um, riding, the, riding the fantasy team on red zone. So, no, I, I love it. And NBA is similar. I love NBA too. So they're, they're two sports that I, I just watch as much as I can. Oh, it's great. We normally do this off the back, but we're going to do it now because... Sports where I am are our, our new sponsors, mate. And, and I just think while we're talking this stuff, let's just get it out now. Look, this one's for you. Look, you're getting a $250 voucher from Sports Where I Am. Uh, I, I, while we're on NFL and NBA, have you been, how many times have you been to the States? Uh, twice. Twice. And where yeah. did you go? I went to Phoenix the first time for more of like a training camp sort of thing. Yep. And then um, just went last minute over to Austin and LA and Vegas with the boys. I heard that. About three days out. Because I, I was doing rehab at the time, so I couldn't go on off-season. And I was sitting there, I was down in Melbourne, and Chook texts me, uh, Josh Kelly texts me, and he's just like, would you be any sniff of going to LA in a week? And I was like, um, call me the great time, let me figure it out. And then there was a whole bunch of boys going to Austin for Austin City Limits, and I said, you know, fuck it, why not? Hopped on a plane and that's the best. met him over there, and it was it was unreal. Went to a college game. Went me and Chook went to um, a few NBA games, but missed out in the NFL, which was missed the NFL. Like, nah, it wasn't. Didn't line up. Did, I was only yeah. there for. I only had a couple of weeks window, so you kind of got to get lucky with it you sometimes because they're weekly. Whereas college NBA, they're on all the time. Yeah, NBA. That's that's the best part about America. You, 
yeah, what are you doing on a Tuesday night? You're yeah. probably watching NBA. Yeah, exactly. Or you're going to the ice hockey. Yeah, it's always what, Now, who did you book your tickets through? Can you remember? Um, well, Chook did most of it, but I reckon it was like, was it SeatGeek? Or, I don't know. I can't remember. And then we got, we got two through the um, Pimco guys. And it was They're like... They're handy. Yeah, and it was like two rows back. Like, we are basically courtside. We, I got a photo of like Floyd Mayweather was just standing right there. I know there. the seats and, actually. Yeah, they were the same seats. That yeah, you me, would have been there. You, Timmy, and, Timmy Himmel. and Himmel went too. Yeah. Oh man, you won. And that was that was bucket list. Like I was, you were on the floor basically, and I never thought I'd be down there. And it was um, yeah, we were pinching ourselves. And we also we got it because Crypto.com sponsored the club, and they got the arena too. And there was a suite that they um, had for us up there, and me and <laughs> Pez and Flynn, Harry Perryman and Matt Flynn were up there. And we said we'd swap with them at halftime. <laughs> and it got to halftime. Me and Chuck were like, I don't think we're just going to be able to do it. Like, security's not going to let us. Yeah, yeah. And so we didn't see them after the game. They would do. Oh, that'd be so flat. Yeah. That's a different experience there because you're one back from the actual... Like, I can't believe how close they sit to the court, by the way. Yeah. Like, you're only one step of getting kneed in the face when you're courtside with yeah. all the celebrities. And then they're the one row back where you can kind of get a bit more leg room. Mate. It's, it's an amazing viewing. It's insane. Like, you got... You got like Kid Leroy rocking up at three-quarter time, mm. like to a game. Just comes to the last quarter then pisses that's off. That's where we met Mike Like Williams. they're just rolling in and yeah, out. Yeah, Big Mike. Yeah, that's where we met him. It's outrageous. Yeah, it's like, great. Oh, it's awesome. Yeah. Well, the reason I asked where'd you book your tickets, this is where you booked your tickets now. Sports Where I Am, it's an Australian company um, and they're doing great things. Essentially, uh, they have all the options for your itinerary in one place, an Australian customer service team who actually respond to any questions you got about your trip. So you just head online, the location you're in at that moment, and sports where I am, buying tickets, premium seats, you name it, like trustworthy as well. None of these dodgy blokes at yeah. the front selling you the bung tickets. We were nervous. Yeah, oh, you always are because yeah. you're forking out a lot of money for yeah, these exactly. tickets. And normally the lo you think local guys would do you a good deal and they're the ones that are selling the dodgy. Yeah. So. That's why this is the best sports room. It's over 200 com com um, countries that allows you to book these sporting events in. But while we're just talking about America here, I thought I'd set up a little game. So what we've done is we've printed out some cities, mate. And I want you to pick, you're only allowed to pick one, actually I'll pick two events. So pick yep. one card, it'll have a location and then hand it to me. And I'll, I want you to pick out two events on there. All right. So random selection. So just pick one of them. There's a few cities there. Bang. Where are, you, where are you going? I'm got all right, so I've got to pick two. And what's the state? What, sorry, what's the- We're in yeah. Philly. We're in Philadelphia. Ooh, that's not a bad, big sip boss. Not bad, I'm going, yeah, look, this is a pretty easy one. I reckon I'll go to the, the Eagles first and foremost, um, and then the 76ers. Yeah, and that'll be me, end of the year with my, with my voucher. There you go. And I'm off to Philly. Oh, I need to do the East Coast, because last time I only did the West Coast. I haven't so. been to Philly either. I went to Philly, New York, Boston. It's a fair selection, and, and you probably can't see it, so I'll read it out, but this is what Sports Ram offer. You've got the choice to go to the baseball. You've got the, you got the NHL hockey with the Flyers. You've got the Wildcats and the NCAA basketball. Then, obviously, the Philly Eagles. You've got the Philly 76ers in the NBA. You've got the Philly Union in the soccer. Um, the Temple Owls, NCAA football, and then the New Jersey Devils, NHL hockey. There's, There's just nine so much sports to, there. There's so much to do yeah. in one, you know, one place at one moment. Um, so I thought I'd bring that up because as a as a huge no, sports fan, this is right up your alley. It's so when massive. you are you going to go overseas? Um, are you yeah, I'm not sure where I'm going to go yet this year, but I'll definitely be going somewhere. 
I'll put that over here for you, um, mate. You get your little. So that's very handy. Yeah. That'll... I thought you'd uh, enjoy. I'll get that. something pretty special with that. I told the boys, that, and they're based in Richmond. So they're based where I am. Yeah. Great fellas, mind you. And uh, as I said, Australian company. Well, how cool is that? Like, yeah, if, so if I could good. invest in the company right now, yeah. like, that is the coolest idea. It's like the the home of shopping for sporting events, yeah. really. Where everyone wants to just go over and go go to as much sport as possible. Yeah. And oh, the idea. best thing is we've got a discount code. So everyone out there, sportsram.com, use the discount code Aces at checkout and you'll save some cash. And as you know, when you're booking tickets, it can be thousands of dollars. So a yeah. percentage off, you're actually saving a lot of money. So big shout out to Sports Ram. Thank you guys for, for looking after us and, uh, and especially looking after you. Oh, thank you. Uh, make sure you send us a photo where that, where that one will, is. I will, I um, will. I'll tag them. If you could pick one place though, like out of anywhere, where would you go? What's the one sporting event you want? Like what, like what city? Oh, look, it's pretty mainstream, but Super Bowl, never been. Yeah. Like that's the one you want to go to. I really wanted, in the middle of my knee injury, it was the LA Super Bowl, oh. and I was like trying to find a way to get over, but it just didn't work out. But I, I reckon that make a week of it, you know, yeah. go to all the parties, it'd, it'd be a good time. Oh, it'd be a great time. It'd be a great I have time. To save that one for post footy though, because February doesn't. Oh, really. I haven't done a Super Bowl yet, and I want to do one with the boys, it's like a big group. Yeah. It'd be special to do it with like twenty yeah. guys, and you know, do the tours, and uh, you you can book them through Sports Rome as well. So get on it like early, but have a crew ready to go. That's the go. Yeah. Um, before we jump into your journey, one more thing. I just realised, mate, no one realises how big our FIFA comps used to be. And largely <laughs> because of a bloke like you, who I, I don't think I've told many people this story, but I, um, I obviously was the commish. Mm. I organised the whole thing. I rated myself as a FIFA player. I think I got knocked out. Not, Toby knocked me out, Toby first, knocked round. out first round. We lived together. Yep. It was pretty heated as well. Probably a good thing for, you know, more marketable having Toby progress. Anyway, I'll never forget, where, just for everyone out there, I've organised this FIFA comp, and you'll see in a second, I went to extreme limits to make sure it was the biggest and best we'd ever seen. The club allowed it, best club in the world. And the Giants filmed it and all the, the granny, which we'll get it's to in a, a huge second. spectacle. But we needed some sponsors, and I thought, we've got to go to, you know, we've gotta, I've got to go look after the boys. So I've, I thought, fuck, if the grand finalists play, they've got to suit up. Like, I've got to get them looking yeah. sharp. Have so to. I called up MJ Bale, Amazing people, by the way. And I said, guys, I've got this great opportunity, which it was. Um, we had, at the time, we had six probably All-Australians in the team. Yeah, maybe so we seven. Had, maybe We had like Toby, it was like Toby Green or, you know, these all these names, Whitfield, Haynes, Callie. Ward, Kelly. Um, I think Aiden Kors around yeah. there. Wardy. And then, yeah, and then we had just um, you and Nick Shipley, who I don't think at the, at the time had played a game. Mate, we... I think she was played, played one. one I game. hadn't played. Yeah. No one knew. No one knew who we were unless you were like giants, like foundation. So member. I'm on the phone to MJ saying, "Guys, what do you think?" I'm named all the. I didn't name you boys. I just named the other six. <laughs> I said you? one of these guys are going to go through, <laughs> and it's going to be. We're going to film it. What happens? You and you and shippers go to the granny, and we, <laughs> I promise them the world. Oh. And not, not only that, though, it worked even better. You and Shippers have gone in. They've decked you out in a, a custom suit, pretty much. He's gone the nice maroon. You've gone the premium blue. Mate, that was the biggest four weeks of my life up until oh, that point. There was that much cash. So everyone had to bring a $100 prize. So not cash. It was like you had to go out and spend $100. Cog's got the bread maker. Yeah, Cog's got this, the bread this maker. This bloke got $150 worth of toiletries. I went to Chemist Warehouse and said, this is what I, I was like. I had two years worth of toiletries after that. Well, it's the best idea in the world. I wanted it for myself. So yeah. I thought, well, I'm going to win well, that this was, thing. Well, that was not going to happen. I know. Thank you. I'm glad I didn't, the, though, because Chemist can't win. You know, a bit corrupt. Yeah, yeah. Well, anyway, bet. 
The reason I bring this up, that's got, is that one of the greatest sporting achievements uh, you've It had? was, and it was my only one up until that point. Like, I was going to all, you know, all the functions, the BNFs, and I was the FIFA guy. Like, fans would come up to me, <laughs> and, like, I would always be sort of, like, sitting near, like, Sammy Taylor, any of that. Like, he was about to be all Australians, playing a grand final, and then they would just come up to me and be the FIFA comp, mate, how good was that? And I was just, like, lapping it up, because to that point, I was like, I was loving it. Like, oh, that was honestly like my crowning achievement. And then um, all the prizes you get. And then, and then remember, you started the lockdown league and then Soldo knocked me out first round. I couldn't COVID. believe it. I was in shock. That, that set me back. And then, um, but no, nah, it was special. And the suit, I remember rolling in MJ Bale, me and Shippers, and they were just like, you could tell they were like, what's going on here? <laughs> How? I don't know how you got us to like free suits, like everything. Yeah, oh, they were great, but in the end, it worked out beautifully because the club, the, the, these clips went viral, and the videos out there. If anyone wanted to watch it, but talk to me about your your entrance because even I was shocked. I couldn't believe how good it was, and we're yeah. gonna get to that. But what was going through your head? Because it was very, um, you, it was like you'd practiced it. You're a very you know quiet kind of guy. You're very relaxed, very zen. I'd like to call you. And then out of nowhere, in comes Triple H. Is it Triple H? Yeah, Triple H. Triple H. I put on some weird persona during that day, like in the press conference. Like I remember watching it back. I was like so arrogant. (laughs) And just like, I wasn't like that. And the the entrance was another one. Like I I was living with Sammy and the night before, like he was sitting on the couch and I was just practicing my entrance. Because I love WWE growing up, love Triple H. So the kid came out me and the night before, like I was just, there was water all over the floor because I was just coming out, just trying to get the spit right. Yeah. And then I remember before it, I was in the showers just trying to like ask some boys, like, what do you reckon? I was doing the spit. <laughs> and then I've come out, I've burst out and luckily I got the first one right, but he does one after it where he does the, the one yeah, for the and I completely shanked that. Oh, it doesn't matter. But I don't think know. anyone sort of realised because no one was that big a Triple H enough like oh, me. No, but it was, I um, it. Yeah, it brought out a side of me that I'd never really seen myself it was that a spe- day. That was a special day. And, and <laughs> it the, was a lot of fun. And the team at the Giants really helped that. They set up all the... I remember we had a meeting. Leon called a meeting out of nowhere and I was a bit rattled because I wanted to set up. And I remember Abbas and the team going, no, we'll, we'll sort it. Yeah. It's like they'd done it before. Yeah. And... The music, the entrances, the game was close, the crowd, all the corporates. We had the, we had the, we had the CEO, CFO, CM. We had every big dog there. Then the boys won three straight finals. Exactly so right. I, and it was in the I don't want to claim it, but I think my off-field sort of, just the vibes are up. I mean, I you know, trainers put it on. <laughs> well, it couldn't have done much they more for the boys. They straight the granny. It was a great, that was a great four It was weeks. a good vibe. It was, it was good fun. I was so far off it, so I was just enjoying the ride at the time. Oh, like, the, I wasn't like, oh, I should be playing. Like, I was just yeah. like, mate, I'm a, I'm a part of the grand final squad here. Like, oh, I'm soaking it up. That was a special time. Um, so, so to be front and centre in the MJ Bale suit and on FIFA grand final day, that was, I was nervous, mate. Like, that was, that was everything to me winning that day. Yeah, I know, I know. It was like a... I didn't have much else. We did, just for anyone out that doesn't know what we're talking about, you go on YouTube, you'll see, we're going to clip up some of this stuff, but it was, a, it was the grand final FIFA day. We'd marketed it for like weeks once we had the top two. They had their custom suits. They had all the prizes up to probably three grand with the prize. We did a custom press, press conference. Mm. 
We had the whole football club watch it, which had made boys on. feel really awkward. Had the Rixies on. We started actually selling them after that day. I think that's when the business <laughs> went to the next level. Um, we had a custom trophy. Wardy helped organise with his player sponsor a custom trophy worth about three hundred bucks. Yeah. I think you'd. Aiden Core broke it. Oh, you're kidding! Like, Putting geez, it in the car. Geez, leaves the club, yeah. breaks the trophy, yeah, never far out. Yeah. <laughs> but that trophy was elite. The whole thing was just so everyone bought in, and the crowd. Like when you just play the granny, the, every goal mattered. Every every free kick. Yeah, you boys fun. are going at it. Like, it was just yeah. a. It was a different experience for everyone. And I, I was don't actually think a bit of the villain time. that day. Yeah. Like, Chippers was the underdog, so I didn't have many people. No myself. one likes the favourite in that day. No, nah, no, nah, no one likes a favourite. So I had a few loyal like guys on my side. Like your, your Steinies, that that forties group. I was torn. I had to like, I had to like just. You were, you were sitting on the fences, Kamish, but um, you know, at the end of the day, we got the chocolates. Cream rises. Hey, cream rises at the top. <laughs> Very good, mate. Well done again. That was. A, that, I, mean, I haven't actually thought of it till now, and that was that was some scenes. Um, all right, without holding everyone up, but mate, let's get into your journey. How would you how would you describe your journey before you get into it? Like so far. Yeah, well, oh, it's been a bit up and down, but it's um. It's been long. You sort of, you don't really think about it much until you do stuff like this and you start to reflect on it. Like when you sort of said if I could come on, I was trying to think like piece it all together in terms of, you know, it's not until you think back that you think, oh yeah, it has been a bit of a journey. And hearing you talk at the start, like, you know, um, it's a bit humbling because I don't think of it much in my mind as being like this amazing thing. It's just sort of like, you know, you just got to deal with your own reality kind of, and then mm. just kind of keep um, jumping over whatever hurdles come your way or, and I got really lucky at times too. Um, so I was really fortunate in that sense. So it's just sort of been a bit of a whirlwind and a bit of an unorthodox way of sort of finding myself in the position I'm in, I'm in now. But there's, I mean, there's so many stories out there of different ways you can just kind of get on a list or even just sort of get through life in general. So, um, mm. yeah, I guess. I think you've nailed it in the head there. Like just, so we're going to talk about the hurdles you've overcome, getting on a list and then just getting by in life and, you know, facing all these hurdles and jumping over the next one that pops up because a lot of people have got hurdles in front of them and, and they've jumped over them and they're dealing with their own personal things. And that's mm. what I love. Um, let's start with your biggest hurdle as a young kid um, with your mum. Like, I'd love you to tap into how big that hurdle has been to jump over. And, and even now, you, you know, it's not like you'd move on, but just yeah. there's a lot of people out there that have gone through similar things. And, um, and this is where it all probably started. This is probably when it got real tough for you as a real... How old were you at the time? Yeah, I was six when um, mum passed. So, yeah, like, you know, there's so many people out there that lose loved ones and um, unfortunately happened at a pretty young age. Um, and yeah, it's sort of something you sort of carry with you through the whole way and through the rest of your life. Um, because unfortunately, you just sort of, you don't really have too many memories that you can sort of just draw back on. And um, so it was pretty hard in that sort of early, early stage of life, um, especially in, you kind of just got to lean on what's around you. And I probably didn't deal with it great in terms of, I just sort of ignored it in a way. Growing up, just sort of just try to shelve it and, um, which, yeah, it's never the right way of going about it. But I, I was just really lucky. I, my old man, like, the relationship I've got with him, he sort of, um, you know, he was working pretty flat out there, but still managed to, you know, really look after me and my older sister, Tess, who, um, and Tess especially, like, the relationship I've got with her throughout all that, we sort of 
had each other there for a while because um, we moved to Sydney just shortly after she passed. So we didn't have much family around. So um, yeah, I mean, the more I talk about Tess, I'll probably get a bit emotional, but she's, um, she's very special to me in the relationship we got through that. And um, even still to this day, like how I was saying at the start, being able to do what I do now to give her the joy through that because she gets a big kick out of it. And um, as well as my nan, who's my mum's mum. And unfortunately my pop passed away a couple of years ago, but, um, and the rest of that side of the family, um, to be able to sort of make those guys proud. That's just something I hold really close to my heart because um, yeah, it's it pretty tough um, sledding for a lot of us during that period as it is for most out there who sort of have to deal with that sort of stuff. So. Um, yeah, yeah, it's a tough one, mm. as always. When you were living in Melbourne, um, how long after when mum passed did you move to Sydney? Yeah, so I think it was probably about three or four years. Um, yeah. All right, yeah, and it was, it was pretty tough because, yeah, we, we didn't have any family in Sydney, knew no one really. Um, so it was almost like kind of starting a new life and um, sort of left home behind in a way, so... I'd I'd always go back in school holidays and yeah, I was really lucky that um the Brayshaw family who I was really close to, I'd that was sort of like a home away from home in a way. Like it was sort of back that we're as familiar and I'd sort of go stay there for a week or two in holidays and I was always really grateful for that. And then mum was from Rodonga, so that's where my nan and pop was from. So um the Spargo family. Yeah. Um lived there and a lot, I of, ghost- lot of talent with you boys I tell yeah, you well, what, at the they, time they, they were the talent I was I was <laughs> shocking I was shit ass um just four or five so maybe it somehow rubbed off for me but um I like those two families in particular really kind of and um they really got around you yeah just really family. like always got like gave me a home away from home which I kind of really needed um yep. growing up which so that was massive and you know the Kate Spargo and Deborah Brayshaw, they're two just absolute stars and they were massive for me because they were really good mates with my mum and yep. um, they saw, I think they sort of understood all that and really sort of gave me that sort of, um, that sort of warmth and home. Yeah, just family yeah. environment, which is good. And um, so, yeah, when I moved to Sydney, it was, sort of, it was all a bit really different and um, that's where I think me and my sister became really close because... Um, I mean, there's always good that comes out of bad. Like, I, Dad remarried and had two kids again, Billy and Charlie, and my two little brothers. And I mean, I love them to bits. And yeah, um, so that that was great. Sort of seeing them grow up as a bit pretty chaotic household at times. Yeah, with two young been. kids rolling around. There was a fair age gap. How old are you at that point? I would have been about 10, 11 when Billy was so born. So still very young. And then about 13 when Charlie was born. So still pretty young, changing a few nappies here and there. Yeah. Um, and sort of watching them grow up. And it's great now because they're both in high school and yeah. it's good to just hang around them. And um, yeah, it's great. So, um, but it was a, yeah, it was a pretty strange time. I don't want to stay on this topic with your mother too long because I know you're going to get emotional and so will I because it's a tough topic. Mm. But do you have some great you were that young like was it really tough like were your last few memories really tough because she was quite sick or did you have some special memories that you always you know hold on to and um yeah you know, i think that's back? it's probably the hardest part is that there's just you know you you don't really know what memories are kind of real because you you sort of just trying to piece it all together at the time because it's such sort of a blur so 
I mean, she was battling, mum passed from breast cancer, which I probably didn't touch on before. So um, the last kind of period was, you know, probably not great. And so some of those memories aren't particularly great. Um, so you sort of just, you kind of got to draw on like photos and yeah. things here and there. And there's a few few memories you get that you kind of just got to really hold close to you. Mm. Um, so yeah, it's definitely that, you know, that's the hard part of it being happening so early in my life that, um, yeah, you, you just kind of feel like you missed out on the That's the Before I talk about your old man, do you think about your mother a lot still? And like when you're having a t- tough time or whatever, do you, is like there a bit of purpose there to make her proud? Yeah, well, all the time. I mean, you know, that's sort of one of my driving sort of purposes in playing footy. Um, like, you know, when I was five, six, I was kicking a little footy around the living room, like always wanted to play. A little Macca's footy or something? Yeah, well, you know, dad played for North, so footy was around me all the time. And I just wanted to be, you know, I wanted to be my old man. So I'm sure, you know, mum probably would have seen that back in the day. And, um, you know, just to be living out that dream, um, you know, you just kind of want to make those people, her proud and the Mm. rest of the family proud. So it's definitely something that helps get me out of bed each day. But, um, and something's, yeah, I always carry with me. It's always on my mind. I appreciate you talking about it. It's not easy. And um, the reason I wanted to bring it up was to a lot of people out there. I know a few as well that have been in a similar situation, probably yeah. not as young. Yeah. Um, have you got any advice for people? You said that you shelved it when you were a bit younger and you didn't really. Is there any advice to maybe some younger kids or anyone out there that may have gone through what you've gone through? Yeah, it's, I'm probably not great at giving advice because, you know, I'm still kind of, you know, piece my way through it. Which but, is um, fine, which is nah, fine. No, it's, um, it's definitely something that I just, you know, so many people have to deal with stuff like this and I know I'm far from alone, um, but it's probably just about the people around you and sort of just leaning on on them when you, and just always sort of, you know, reaching out, not, you know, alone in, in going through it, so... And there's so many people who want to help, so just always reach out whenever you can. That would be the main one, which yep. I, I wasn't great at, but getting a lot better. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Now, mate, let's turn our attention. And again, thanks for talking about that, mate. It's great advice. Um, it's, uh, what do they say? It's, it's not weak to speak and all that kind of stuff. Yep. And sharing's caring. And they don't know, they can't help. So definitely speak up. Your old man, I've only met him a few times, especially when we were um, hanging out a fair bit when I was down. He's a great, he's a great man. He's clearly a very successful man um, in the sporting world, business world. And then also you just think now and you start to think what he's gone through as well, you know, all that adversity and then to be able to support the family. Um, he, he's a, yeah. uh, how, how do you he, speak? So, I mean, what's he mean to you? Yeah, I mean, well, he's kind of everything to me him and my sister they're just two people I you know worship um so growing up you know he was he was you know the best role model I could have in terms of it was funny like just kind he's like everyone just sort of you'd be around footy and you just always I'd always be Ben's son and I was like dad's played 70 games for North in the 90s when they you know pre when they were winning flags I was like how has he got such a um, network net, network and then you sort of as you get older you sort of you know get accustomed to it all but um it, it's quite funny I'll hang shit on him every now and then about it but yeah he's just been um yeah massive for me in terms of like just never put any pressure at all which really helped along the way um and was just kind of like you know 
a dad, but also a mate, like, um, along the way. Like, we just, we love watching North games together. He'd get fired up, I'd get fired up. And then as the years went on, I went to the Giants and I'd just laugh at him getting fired up in front of the tally because um, he absolutely loves the club. Um, so, yeah, he's just been, he's been massive for me. And, um, yeah, you just kind of, I'm just so, you know, I spoke about, you know, some hard times, but that's just, a really, I'm just so grateful to have that because, you know, um, some people don't get that. So I'm, I'm very grateful to have the relationship I do with my old man. Your old man is, as I said, very successful. Just talk to people that don't know your old man and what he's done. He's played at North, but he's also, what was his role at North? He was the, was it the chairman? Yeah, so president? he was chairman at North sort of the last sort of four or five years. Um, and then before that, he, he worked at soccer, he was CEO of Soccer Australia. How long? Uh, for probably like seven, eight years. Yeah. Um, that's why we moved to Sydney. And then, so that one was like pretty crazy. He would be traveling all the time um, overseas because obviously it was very global. Um, so he's sort of like, he's seen a lot. Um, and then he was working at the AFL for a while before that, worked at Nike for years um, before that. So he's got some Have you ever asked the old man how he got into all that? I'm really interested. Yeah, he's, well, he sort of just um, segued through footy and started working for Nike and then kind of worked his way up. I probably butchered the, the story a bit there. but um, And then he's got like, I remember I was sitting there about, I was like 15, 16, like club basketball. And one night we were just sort of around the table and he's telling a story about how he um, had dinner with like, you know, Michael Jordan, Charles Barkley oh. and about because when he was working for nike he had to look after him for a weekend or something and i was just like mate how have you never told me that like, yeah. so he's got some i'm very lucky that he's he's got some great stories and definitely some great advice on on things because he's been around but um yeah so he's had a fair few jobs and i guess that speaks to why everyone sort of calls me calls me ben's kid yeah. <laughs> whenever i roll around well, he's one of the coolest around dads. the footy world um so, but it's something that I've never like, you know, kind of shied away from. Like, I'm really proud of it. We speak about your old man and the influence he's had on you. He's obviously gone through the footy, uh, you know, at the highest level. He was chairman of North, um, you know, ran Football Australia as the, as the CEO, the CEO, right? Yep. 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 So, so he's, he's, he's got amazing leadership qualities, um, great values. You know, he's a great person to talk to about probably anything. Um, now that you're playing AFL and you're playing fantastic footy, which you always were, we're going to talk about why it's taken so long with all your hard luck stories. Um, what are some of the things that you're so lucky to have had, you know, I guess brought up from your old man? Like what was something that he taught you young where you're like, oh, those values as a youngster, like they've really held me in good stead to this day? Yeah, I think the main one is, is um, kind of just hard work, which is really cliche, but it's more just about kind of, I don't know, it was more a sense of just kind of being a good teammate and being someone who, like he, he was probably, I'm not the most natural leader, like, um, you know, I'm a bit more reserved and until I get a bit comfortable, but um, I just always wanted to be someone people loved playing with, which kind of took me a little bit to figure out how that sort of looks and feels, but um, mainly throughout sort of just kind of, my mantra was kind of just head down, bum up and sort of get to work and then throughout that gain some respect and just never just be really coachable like always just take feedback whatever role it was um just do it like don't feel any entitlement to 
any sort of position or, or team or, um, or role and just sort of just take, take whatever you can get really and then just sort of stick to that and, and just give it everything. And then um, he, he was always just really um, adamant about just make sure you're sort of having fun doing what you're doing. Don't, don't just do it because you feel like you have to. Yeah. Um, so that was, we'll probably touch on that throughout sort of, there were some times where, where I wasn't enjoying it so much and he was just so supportive to just sort of move on and try something else. Yeah. Um, so that was probably the most, the biggest part through him that he just, he always was on the outskirts, like never really got involved much in the teams and or coaching or anything. He would always be on the, in the furthest, like standing under a tree, like you could barely spot him at the games. Um, he was always pretty reserved and to himself, but I like I really liked that. I just didn't, I um, I didn't sort of want someone hovering around. So yeah. it, it definitely it was great for me. Yeah, it's great that you said that. You do cast your mind back to the local footy days, and there's nothing wrong with parents that nah, get involved. Nah, not at all. I'm just saying, you need them, I was mate. the same. I used to love, especially if you if you're going all right. You just you just used to love. The old boy being quiet, yeah. giving you know, because when they do give feedback, it's like a hit. It's like the best. It's like they don't give much of it, and when they do, then you know it's gold. Yeah, exactly. Whereas just having the voice everywhere and talking, you know, I think it's when you're involved so much, you can't see the big picture. Yeah. Clearly, your old man would be very calculated with his feedback. Yeah, he you. was very. Where, so, how did you go? Because now you're playing. Like, I want to know your journey. How did you yeah. get into it? Because it's not. It's a unique one, and it happened pretty quickly. Late. So, yeah. just touch on how you know how you got to the to the Giants. Yeah, so I'll sort of try and piece it together and cut me off along the way if you don't want me to sort of pick up on anything. But basically, I was just like any normal kid, like played Oz kick, played junior footy, um, was okay. Started the, the Swans Academy when I was about 12 or 13, living up here. Um, and, you know, they sort of like just got everyone in the doors. It wasn't like it was this great big, like, oh, well. Just I mean, try to grow the game. Yeah, just like, try to grow the game. Played, there was, yeah. you know, hundreds of kids in there. Um, and then they'd sort of, you know, pick teams to play on the weekend against like other academies or whatever it was. I can't fully remember, but never got picked. Like I was, I was just hanging on. Um, wasn't a great junior. Like was okay, um, but never up there with you know the top tier sort of level of kids in whatever teams I was in. I was just playing at a Sydney, and then um, had to move move to Maroubra because we didn't have enough players to fill aside so we ended up um, sort of combining forces with Maroubra Saints and actually formed a little bit of a super team there didn't lose for a couple of years that's good good fun but um, and then sort of around that 15 16 age I was still in the Swans Academy and um, just wasn't like really enjoying it never getting picked for any sides like nowhere near playing state level footy um, and so I sort of just went to my old man and was just like, look, I sort of wouldn't mind giving it up because I wanted to play um, first basketball for school and I could only do that if I gave up the academy because training like clashes. And he just immediately said, mate, just just go for it. And then so it was just before one of those like pre-season sort of like six-week programs in the academy. So mainly I just didn't want to do that. <laughs> I was just like... Oh, I'm just going to go play basketball because <laughs> I, I didn't want to borrow it. Because um, I kind of hadn't really figured out like that I was, I didn't, I wasn't dog hungry at that time because I just didn't think I was any good. Um, 
and then went into basketball and there's a I had a great coach called David Todd who just and um assistant was Mark Ledson and they just sort of took me in and threw me straight in. And it wasn't like it was um I was a great basketball player, but I just sort of had like those footy traits of just sort of, you know, being, you know, a little bit more physical and just getting after it, being really competitive and they just loved it, um, in that basketball environment. And then that's where I sort of started to learn a lot of tools about sort of hard work and started to sort of form a bit of a identity of how I wanted to be as a as a player in any in any sport. Like I was I took pride in the fact that like I wasn't particularly talented because I was playing with guys who went and played college um, college level basketball and stuff and like they were freaks and I was just like kind of a battler who just come from playing Aussie rules. Um, and just get after on the rebounds and, yeah, yeah, yeah. and just go from a block. Crash and, boards and Yeah, just crash boards, set some picks. I, I always claimed I was one from run from corner threes per game, but would never shoot two because I wasn't good enough. Yeah. I just take my one and and, and bank it. Um, <laughs> and then yeah, it sort of um, led from there in I sort of got to the end of school. How old are you at this point? I was about 18. Okay, so you're uh, right around a mark here, yeah? Yeah, and I mean, I, I had mates who, um, you know, they were playing New South Wales, Vic Metro, like, t- Cup. Who were they? Some players that we're still playing now? Yeah, well, guys like, I spoke about four, like, I was close with the Brayshaw boys, so, um, and then Spargos and all those guys. And I had mates up here who, like, I played footy with who were playing Rams level footy and, and Swans Nefel. Um, and I was just nowhere near that pace. Um, so I did, like I didn't nominate for a draft because You didn't even nominate? No, nah, no, nah, like I was I was no like I I was nowhere near it my eighteenth my draft year, te- technically yeah. my draft year, which is twenty fifteen. Um, just finished school, like just sort of knuckled down on my studies, um, so I could get into commerce at uni. Um, and then was just playing basketball, but I was nowhere, like, once I got to the end of school, I was like, I'm not good enough at basketball to go and do something with it. So I just stopped playing. I was playing social, social basketball and, on, like, Monday nights with my mates, which is honestly the most fun I've had. Um, they were great times, but um, now I just sort of went into uni and, and work, and I was doing full-time uni, um, working all sorts of different jobs. Um, and... That was two years there, like before I got eventually got picked up of just doing that, and I started sort of playing um, for the under 19s uh, East Sydney, and um, yeah, that was the year after I finished high school, and just was like the level wasn't great at all, and all my mates were playing, you know, three levels above where I was playing, but you know, like I was just having fun um, playing footy again because. Yeah, I was getting a kick, um, had, had a great coach, Stephen Chichester, who just made it re- really fun. It was a great environment. And then um, sort of went on after that the next year and started playing um, senior level footy for UNSW East. And um, just, oh, it was funny because at the time I thought it was like this huge jump of like 19s to senior footy in, in Sydney AFL. Sydney AFL, which it was at the time, um, but in the grand scheme of things, it's really, it's not much, but I was like, oh, I don't know how I'll go, and then I just started playing all right, um, and my coach, um, Stephen Pollock, knew someone from the Giants, um, Brett Hand, who, 
And then this was about halfway through 2017. Handy's in welfare for anyone out there yeah. when we were there. And um, so it might have been an assistant coach. It might have been the coach. Yeah, he sort of helped. It was like was assistant the for the twos. Yeah. And like he was head of development. Head of development. Head of development was his role at the time. And, you know, Giants had a lot of injuries through that time, as probably everyone can remember. So the, the reserve side just gets pillaged. Like they just don't have enough players to fill a side. So they just got to keep getting guys through the local comps to kind of feed through. Um, so I remember I, I was in the middle of like uni exams. I was just at the library and I'd get a call from Brett Hand, who now like I'm very close with, but he was just like, can you come to Brisbane this week and playing, playing the twos? This was like a Wednesday and the game was on Saturday. And I was like, yeah, fuck yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'll, I'll see you at the airport. And then that was one of those, like, where the twos and the ones were playing in the same place. Oh, nice. So the whole... Curtain raiser. Yeah, so we'll cur- and so the whole team was there, like, you know, like Toby, Jezza and all those guys, Cogs, Wardy, Phil. Um, like, I just watched these guys on TV and, like, nobody knew me. Like, so I was like a local, so like always, a local I, footballer on your own, in your own head, just coming up to top up. But all of a sudden, the stage is set. Yeah, yeah. And then, um, like, I didn't even meet them because, like, I was just staying, staying in the corner, staying in the shadows, just, like, kind of meeting the other sort of twos guys and got guys who I'm great mates with now. Um, and we went to Brisbane and, like, they, they, their side was just stacked and they beat us by, like, 100 plus. When you say stacked, it was like, wasn't it, like, tw- maximum Oh, they just AFL didn't players? get any, any injuries. So, they, it was, like, 22 listed players. Yeah. And, like, I'd never played, like, a rep game in my life, <laughs> let alone a knee, like... A, One day like from AFL. A knee full side full of 22 blokes getting on, under AFL contracts. And so, I remember I was, I was on, like, you know, Matt Eagles and... It was just like, he was like 100 kilos, just huge. And I was 80 kilos at 194. What are you now for context? Like I'd be like 92, 93 yeah, now. So 13 kilos. Um, and so I was just running around like on the half foot, like no idea what I was doing. Because I felt Sydney level, like it's just sort of kick long down the line, you know, contest kick long. Like the Brizzy lines, they're just zinging it like around 45s, everything. I'm just running around like a headless chook. Lucky enough, like, sort of kick a couple enough to bring me back the next week. And then the next week we played in, um, we played in Blacktown out, at, um, out there. And I didn't have my licence at the time. So I had to catch, like, you know, a couple of trains, a few buses out there. Because from Bronte. Was, oh, mate. Was, Bronte, you were living in Bronte. I was so. living in Bronte at the time. Um, and so it was a fair hike. That's a grim hike. <laughs> it, took about, it took about, like probably over two hours but like at this time like I was just like buzzing so like I didn't care like I it was probably like a one o'clock game I left home at 8 a.m yeah um I, I was just wanted to get to the ground like three hours early and then so got out there and um Steve Stephen Canelio and Brett Delidio were coming back from from injury like long layoffs because like those two those boys don't belong in the twos but they were just like they had to come play their token one game and then straight back in. Couple, just a little bit of game time. Yeah, just a bit of game time. Um, and so there's just sort of like, there's a lot of the boys around and like a lot of people from the club and yeah, I was brushing shoulders. I was, you know, beating, beating Brett and beating yeah, yeah. Steve. And I was like, um, guys who I know well now, but at the time I was, they were like just, you know, stars to Idols, me. yeah. Yeah, I just watched them on TV. 
and then just played pretty well that game. Like, went all Don't right. Don't say pretty well. You had a blind. Oh, you? I'd kick like, I think, two or three and got a bit of the footy. Um, like, surprised myself. Like, I was in the game going like, geez, I didn't think I was at level. And now yeah. I'm sort of like playing better than I was at local footy all of a sudden. Um, and then sort of, ca- and then we got the win. And then after the game, um, I was like, I think Cogs got wind that I caught the public transport out. So, in speech of the person he is, he just comes up to me. He's like, yeah, I'll give you a lift. You come and I'll drop you back to Bronny. So, I've, I'm in the car with Cogs for an hour. It's his whirlwind of a day. And we're just talking. You know, he's like the best bloke in the world. And then about a funny story, actually, halfway through, like, I'm, you know, after a game, you're just getting in Gatorade. Yeah, so, yeah. I'm busting. Like, long car ride. Like, I'm about to piss myself. And I'm like, I can't make cogs. Yeah, I know you're like, up. you wouldn't say anything. I was just trying not to say anything. So, like, to the point where we got, like, halfway through and I was about to, like, you know, he would have had a nice car. I can't remember what it was. <laughs> but I was about to piss in, his, in, his, in the passenger seat. <laughs> and I was like, mate, I'm so sorry, but, like, I need to, I need to go to the toilet. So, it, it was, like, in the middle of Surrey Hills. He had to pull over in a side, side street. I just had to like get one out quickly and keep going, and then he and then we dropped me home and he was like, oh, feel the boys are having beers. Like, do you want to come? Is at um Matt Flynn's and Himmelberg's place in Dremoyne. So I'm like, yes. And then got another couple of buses and a train out to Dremoyne <laughs> straight away. Got in the beers with them and I mean it was like there was probably five or six of us had a great night and um got talking and then all of a sudden they sort of found out who my old man was and they're like who the who the fuck are you like yeah, yeah um so it was pretty funny and then from there just sort of played another three or f- three or four games for him you could only play about five i think max as a local player um and then yeah just sort of started to click in the gear a bit i'm sort of talking out of my ass a bit here but um no it's re- good Keep, yeah you, you painted this picture perfectly, yeah um, so yeah recruiters like from the giants just started to talk to me um i remember i spoke to leon and i was just like what's his going you come on? from nowhere Mate, really. i was literally uh, a month earlier i was like i was working full time during these games i was playing like i was working for um classic sportswear nine to five job monday to friday and my job for four weeks during uni holidays was I had an Excel spreadsheet of every school in Australia. And I had to call up and find out who was running their year 12 jerseys because Classic Sportswear wanted to get the contact info. And so I'll just spend the whole day just calling schools and like getting knocked back. They'd be like, nah, who cares? Like, just ticking them off. And then go, and then go play on the, <laughs> on the weekend in the, two, in the NEFL. And then, um, so I was nowhere near it. And then all of a sudden, like, I was just, like, a manager called me. And I was like, Dad, like, <laughs> what do I do? <laughs> and he's like, oh, it's kind of leave it with me. Um, and then I, I, Essendon rang me. Like, Zorro? I met up with the Doro for lunch for, like, an hour plus. Free and, fee? Well, yeah, free fee. It was up in Sydney. And I was just, we were just sort of, it's funny, like, I was just so rattled by the whole thing. I didn't really understand. So, like, I'd just rock up and we'd just be talking. Like, I'd just be talking to him like I was meeting yeah. him. 
Like, I didn't really understand the scope of what was going on. The inter- they're probably interviewing you. Yeah, there. The, like the only thing I did, I, I remember I wore like four pairs of socks and just stuffed so it made me look taller. Yeah, but made me look like I was like 198. That's so smart. My mate used to put heel raises in yeah. his socks. Um, and then, because one of my mates had to do it. And then, <laughs> and then so, yeah. And then they flew me down. I did testing with them. And they were sort of, it was them swans and giants who were kind of looking, but it was like, you know, maybe we'll throw you a bone like of a rookie list if if I'm lucky. It wasn't like I was, you know, going to get. I might have been like a one percent chance of going late in the national draft, but it was very slight. And then so once all that started happening, like that was my dream from a young young age, but I just didn't think it was achievable in my own mind because you know I just didn't really have the belief at the time. And so once it became sort of a reality, I was like, that's all I wanted. So like uni and work, I just completely like, I just couldn't focus. I was just like, get me on a list. Like I'm desperate now. Um, and then so I got around draft time and I was, I was bloody nervous. Like I, like I just really wanted it all of a sudden because mm. I think I would have struggled kind of once it was in reach going back to sort of what I was doing. Yeah. Um, and then watched the draft and, you know, it was funny, like Andrew Brayshaw, Hamish Brayshaw and Charlie Spargo all got drafted that draft. So it was a, it was a crazy sort of day and I was just so happy for them. Um, and then I didn't get drafted, but, you know, I was like, I'm hoping for the rookie draft mainly. And then I get a call probably about half an hour after the draft ends and it's um, Adrian Caruso from the from the Giants is like, we're gonna offer you a um, category B rookie spot. And I was just like, I was speechless. Like I was, I'd gone to bed after the draft. So lucky I didn't fall asleep because I had to get up and work the nice. early the next morning for basketball coaching. So I was like literally about a doze off. Dad had gone to bed and he just called me and I've just gone upstairs. I'm going, dad, like I've just, like I've just been drafted essentially. How good's that? And he's like, holy shit. And we are just like standing there and we just like, we were just in the kitchen, just had a beer. And we are just like looking at each other, just going <laughs> like, what the fuck's just happened? Like I was on a list and I had to get up the next, like I still got up the next morning and I had the whole under 16 age groups of my school basketball coaches. I had to coach about eight or nine basketball teams all day. So I went and did that. And then I said to like, I got along really well because it was my old school, so I said, like, I've just been, I can't come in and work on next week. <laughs> and it was just like, what the fuck? And it was just crazy. And then all of a sudden on Monday, I was, I was in the club, just sort of, I, I think I had to go on the Tuesday because I had to wait for the rookie draft to go on Monday because it's a bit weird. Like, I wasn't actually drafted in the rookie draft. It was like a zone selection. Um, and then I was just in at the club Man, that's so <laughs> on good. Tuesday. And because you'd already had the beer with the boys, Cogs, you're mad, as we know, he's one of the greatest men alive. Yeah. And, and you've had that little bit of you know, time with the, the guys in the twos. You would have felt like you belonged. You, know, like you wouldn't yeah. have been creeping around going, hey, I'm Jack. You would have been going, oh, you boys already kind of know me. You saw me play that game. I yeah. luckily had a blinder, so you know <laughs> that I can play and let's get to work. Yeah, it definitely helped. Like, I just rocked up. Mate, you know, like, we all, like, I couldn't believe it as much as they were kind of like, oh, like, shit, bucks. Like, just got drafted. Like, you know, there's guys like, Matt Flynn, Isaac Cummings, Zach Sproul, um, those sort of guys that I was playing with um, when I was topping up. And it made it so much easier 
to sort of just come in and know a few guys and, and get to work. And then the guys who got drafted, which um, got drafted with like Sam Taylor and Brent Daniels, um, Nick Shipley. What year is this draft? This is 2017. Yeah. Um, uh, Aiden Bonner as well, um, who those two aren't at the club anymore, but um, Binger and Sam, especially I'm close with and been through a lot with um, through the years. But yeah, we just hit it off. And then all of a sudden you're just in it and you just sort of rock up and train each day. You got your program and then you just sort of live in your dream. And I was just in an AFL preseason and I'd never done, like I literally never done a weights program before. So like I did my first like kind of proper weight session, like day one. And then the next day I couldn't lift my arms. Like I literally couldn't, I couldn't train, like I, I couldn't mark it. Like <laughs> I rocked up and I went to the physios. I said like, guys, like my, this just hurts everywhere. Like what is going on? And they were just laughing. Like they were pissing themselves. Like they, they talked about it for years after. Cause like you'd put your check-in, <laughs> you put your check-in like data each day and you got to tap what's sore. And so I've just gone biceps, triceps, like shoulders. And then they were just losing it. Cause usually it's like, oh, I've got a sore calf, like manage it. Yeah. I just had like bicep doms. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, I don't know how I'm going to like catch the footy. Yeah. And then so like, it's just stuff like that. I was just kind of learning. So raw. Learning on the fly, like what a professional environment was. Um, which is funny because I've sort of always been exposed to it through dad and stuff, but I've just never actually kind been of lived in it. it in it. Yeah. Um, so, and then it just sort of came down to, right, like I, I can barely, like I was a shocking kick. Because, like, you know, I grew up in Sydney. You don't get that many kicks. You're not kicking at lunchtime and stuff. So I was like in drills and I was just making sure I just found a way to get the ball onto someone's tit. Um, and... Yeah, so I had a lot of work to do early, especially. But, you know, I just kind of like the main thing I sort of got picked up on um, or got drafted from was just kind of like competitiveness and work rate and tackling and all those kind of like just attitude and effort kind of stuff. Um, and then there was kind of enough there, like through how I was pretty raw that, that like maybe I could get some form of talent going. Maybe I could be all right. You're very, um, you're talking, yeah, you're talented, you got a lot of talent. Your speed's <laughs> through the roof. Um, it's an amazing story. And I think what we're talking about now, and this is why your story is so good, is you've come from the clouds, you've had a really tough upbringing, you've had to relocate from Melbourne to Sydney. Um, the old man's successful, busy, traveling, you know, you and your sister are super tight. You've lost your passion with AFL, you've gone to basketball, you're working your nine to five. If you've got the opportunity through whatever you want to call it, a little bit of luck to go top up because the Giants need one, you've turned it on out of nowhere. You've just proven to yourself. It's a great example for young kids that you should believe in yourself because yeah. you've got more to give than you think. And that you've, you've done that with guns. You, you've been opened up to what I think, you know, the Giants is an amazing club and, 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 and so lucky that Cogs has identified that you needed a lift and you've started to get a bit of a taste of what it looks like. Then you get your opportunity, all of a sudden you're picked up. And at that point, you're probably thinking, oh, here we go. It's going to be smooth now. Like, I'll just put my head down and obviously apply myself, get my body right. And, um, yeah. and then hopefully, you know, it's all smooth sailing. But unfortunately, like life, we yeah. talk about these hurdles. You know, there's no bigger hurdle than the first one you had. But then now comes the mental resilience and the, the hurdles that you're now facing, which we're going to dive into. 
how, t- how tough has your journey been to probably this year after you got drafted? Yeah. Well, like, take everyone on a journey of what you've gone through. Yeah, well, because getting on the list, it wasn't like this massive sort of hard luck story of like, you know, some guys like try every year, nominate, nominate. They're just like playing state league footy and they're just waiting for their shot. Like, like a lot of mine, like I'm very grateful. Like it was kind of right place, right time. And I got pretty lucky along the way. Um, but then once I got sort of thrown in and I thought, all right, like, let's go. Like when you come in an AFL club, you kind of, you're not really sure what the bumps and, you know, the bumps are like, you, you kind of think it's all pretty linear. Um, so I sort of just got to work, had a good pre-season. I was like, all right, let's get, get some footy in. And then first practice game, do my hammy. Um, it was pretty flat, but you know, like not the end of the world. It's the first sort of injury I'd had really, like um, never really got injured before that. And then sort of that hammy led to the next one, like about a week after I'd come back from that one. It was like a Tuesday session. And you know what they're like, we're like jogging around. Yeah. Like, doing like, you know, full ground kick and stuff. Skills, T1. And I remember I was just leading back and T1, you mentioned like not sprint, but I'm so like, I don't get it still, that I was just like humming back on a, on a lead and then just pin the hammy. And then um, first game back from that one in Darwin, I remember, I was about mid-year, did it in the first quarter. So I did about three that year and it was, um, I was getting pretty flat just because like, I just wanted to kind of, prove myself but I wasn't getting the chance and um, I was living with Sammy Taylor at the time and he also did three hammies so we had about six between us that oh, first wow. year. Oh wow, I didn't know that he did three as well. Yeah, yeah, but he still managed to get some AFL games in then because he's, you know, he's a superstar um, but I was like just hanging on and I was on one year deals so like I was lucky that year the club before the end of the season they gave me another one because it's just kind of like they didn't really know so I think they just they sort of gave me another chance. Um, and then the next season, I was, you know, trying to build, but then sort of did a calf, did another hammy, and just sort of couldn't get any continuity again. Played a fair few, played probably like six to eight games maybe in the twos. Um, and then at the end of that year, it was pretty like touch and go whether I was going to get another deal. Um, I was sort of done a little enough in the last couple of games maybe and it was it was probably not a 50 50 i probably had a bit more of a chance than that but definitely like it was a big reality though i could have got delisted um so i was sort of sweating as the after the season that was the year the boys had um made the grand final i'd won the fifa that was, that was my that was my first year that was your first that year. was your second year was it that was my second year oh, okay yeah yep. um yep. and then that's when we were in rehab together all year. That's yeah. when we were in rehab together all yep, year. Pretty much, um, yep. Came really close. And then um, end of that year, it wasn't until like sort of that week after the grand final when, you know, we're having a pretty solid week. And yeah. I remember I was sitting at home with Sammy and got the calls, like, you know, from a manager. He's like, we're all good. We've got another oh. one. And I was like, thank God. Like, and then me and Sammy were stoked. Um, because, you know, he was kind of, it was funny. We were both on completely different kind of paths. Like he was playing in a granny like flying and I was just trying to just survive um, and then but we we're sort of riding it together like I used to I used to joke that like you know if you could just like put a clause in your contract just to like, keep, keep me yeah, around yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Um, so I used to joke about that a bit um, which is funny and then and then that th- end of that year um, like 
was got really fit, like put a bit of work in there and came back. This pre-season. is 2020. This is 2020 pre-season, just before COVID. And I was in good nick and I was, I was going all right. Um, and then, yeah, it's, it's bizarre, but like on Boxing Day, uh, 2019, after, after Christmas, I was just walking up Chapel Street in Melbourne with my old man. And my sister was shopping and um, like just, <laughs> just half my body just started going numb. And it's hard to explain, but I didn't know what was going on. Um, like it was just sort of, and then I, I called the club doc. I was like, mate, something's going on here. He's like, go to the hospital, get to ER. And I, I, couldn't, I couldn't speak once I got there. Like I couldn't actually get any words out. Like they asked my details and I like, couldn't actually, I was just speaking dribble and so they sort of get me through and they sort of like I'm getting brain scan and I, all of a sudden just crook as and um like vomiting and doing all that and then I'm sort of in there and they do scans and ends up like I'm thinking like what is going on well, it's like symptoms of a stroke yeah yeah basically the same symptoms um and then they're like oh you've got like a type of migraine and then me it's like oh well that just felt like a whole bunch of carry on like yeah. you know a lot of people have migraines and the um, word migraine gets thrown out like it's an excuse to get it a does off. but like that was like i was rattled with how much like that sucked like i was in the hurt locker and then two days after it happened the exact same thing happened again and it was just getting worse like i happened every like two or three days there for like a week um and then i got another one um and it was like pretty bad and then i was sort of there with days like and then, so we went to hospital again and I was there for a couple of nights and um, they put me on this medication and then I couldn't train for like probably about a month. So I missed out on pretty much the rest of pre-season, like January and Feb, which are like sort of the meaty part. And then um, put on like, I think I went from like 85 kegs to 92 because um, I just wasn't doing anything and my appetite was high from the meds and stuff. And it was just, it was a strange sort of period I didn't really know what was going on and then sort of got over it and then came back and then COVID hit which everyone knows um 12 week layoff 12 week layoff sort of just going through that we're on zoom calls about like they're going to cut list sizes I'm like 45th man on the list at the time like you know I was bottom of the barrel in terms of like my placing in the hierarchy (laughs) um so I thought I thought I was it's going to be done that at the end of that year. So I was sort of trying to, like, I was still giving it a crack. Like, I was going to fight tooth and nail. But I kind of had to think about, all right, like, what could I, am I going to do if it doesn't work out? Come back from COVID and then just start to sort of, like, play some, play, we're in the hub, just, you know, you were, you were going through it with your car. So you, you get it more than anyone. Um, and then... You know, I was kind of around the mark for a bit there. I wasn't getting my chance. And then second last game, I got my debut the week that Cogs got dropped. Oh, wow. We so it was just a, yeah. like it was a furnace. It was a weird And I was week. just like, can I be happy? Like, yeah. Not that like everyone was so supportive and like it was great. But just a weird time. It was a strange time. And um, I came in and just sort of played with a great sort of freedom that debut and just was like, I'm just going to throw myself at everything. Um, and just did that. And then um, Leon loved it. So he gave me gave me a game the next week. And then that sort of um, gave me another deal, which is great. And then gave me some real, like, 
belief and confidence heading into next year. Like, oh, like I actually kind of stacked up at the level there a bit. Like I've got heaps of stuff to work on, but it was a good um, place You're playing to, on the wing. Played on the wing, yeah. yeah so, so I was playing wing at the time. My first game was on Ed Langdon. So, and like I was fighting for my life out there. Like he's just up. He's back. very quick. He's like endurance machine. Endurance and speed. I've never seen him and Brad Hill. I haven't seen anything like it. And so it was my first game and I was just, just try, I was trying to keep up. Um, and then the week after, like someone went down. So at quarter time, I went from the winger and they were like, you got to go play on Tim Embry. And so I was just like, poor, poor Membry. Like I never played down back before in my life. So when we had the ball, I was like, arm on. Yeah. <laughs> I was, and he would have been like, this guy doesn't know how to play footy. Can you get him away from me? But I was like, mate, like I just got told to play on you. So like, I just do what I'm told. <laughs> um, and then, yeah, next year, um, started on the wing, first few rounds, um, was getting picked, which is great. But like, I was, you know, I wasn't going great. I was holding my spot because you know, I was just sort of doing what I was asked and doing the dirty thing, like the little stuff. and Trademark efforts, yeah. Yeah. Um, and then Phil went down um, in round three or four. Here comes then, the next hurdle. And then um, I, went, I went down, got thrown down back um, at quarter time. And then from there, I just ended up kind of, like went all right that game. And then the next week they were like, all right, we're going to try you again down there. And then it kind of like the next, all right, you're going to stay down there until I was just a backman all of a sudden. And then Keefe um, and then Phil was injured and Keefe went down and Sammy went down. And so it was me and Connor Iden who were like, you know, we were really close because we kind of went through that last couple of years together. We were playing, playing in those COVID years together. And, um, and we were just kind of like the two kind of keys down there for a couple of weeks just kind of trying to hold the fort. Um, so that was like pretty funny, um, but also equally like stressful because like I was, you know, giving up a bit of size at the time. Um, not that I have got much bigger now, but got a bit more experience. Um, and then, yeah, it was just playing, playing week after week and was just loving life. Like this is what I'd been dreaming of, what, what I was working towards. Um, and then about round 15, that's when the knee happened. Talk and about the knee, because it's, it's a significant knee injury. What happened to your knee? Yeah, so it was like and first... the moment. Can you remember the moment? Yeah, I can. It was, um, it was like first two minutes of the game. Like, literally bounced, like, a few kicks here and there, and then it came inside 50, sort of back and back, and Harms was coming. It was James Harms from Harms Melbourne. Again. Yeah, like, like, you know, did nothing wrong, just sort of, like, tripped over or something in a contest and I was just in the wrong place, wrong time and sort of planted and then he kind of just fell on my knee and then it just caved in the wrong way. And it doesn't, there's like a bit of a still shot of it. It looks pretty, looks pretty- um, The mean scrum. And then um, basically did like ACL, MCL, did a whole bit of sort of bone and cartilage damage as well. So did a good job of it. Um, I remember seeing the scan and usually when you see scans, you actually can't really, you're like, I can't see that, but it was like just kind of shit. Yeah, you can't, day. yeah, like, oh, geez. Oh, fuck, all right. But like when it ha like I remember when they told me, like you go down the race and I had no idea what was, I was like, geez, my knee's like fucking sore, like what's going on? And they do the test and they're like, you've done your knee. And I'm like, ACL. And he's like, yeah, I'm pretty sure he's done it. 
and you just immediately like, and you know, so many guys have done it. And that first wave of like, like in your first one, you're like, you know, you hear it all the time. You see guys go through it, but you just kind of never think you're going to have to yeah. go through it. And so it just kind of hits you all at once and you're like, holy shit, like that's a year yeah. of footy. Like I've just like done all this work to get here. One year, like, one year deal as yeah, well. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then, yeah, it's just, it kind of hits you like a ton of bricks that first kind of half hour. Um, and I was, I mean, Sammy wasn't playing at the time, so he came down and we were just sitting in the locker room, just like, oh, what the fuck has just happened? Um, and then it kind of just kind of kicks into gear. Like I just kind of shelved it. And I just, um, yeah, just the next few days, I was like really kind of naive to it all. I was like, all right, like I'll just get down, like get the rehab done a year not great but like i could make it back for that early part of next year for, you know it's sort of nine to twelve month window these days um get back to what i usually try to do just head down bum up get it done you know life life can be shit sometimes but you just got to get on with it um and like perspective you know there's worse things out there um but i probably didn't really kind of understand like you know how much it can be like that and just sort of that it wasn't your sort of average sort of ACL injury and there's just going to be a lot of sort of hurdles on the way so I um I got about a week after surgery and the boys had to because we were in hubs at the time and so they flew up to Queensland um and then I was just sort of left there and went back to Sydney um and Lockie Keith did his knee about two months before me so he was up there and it was just like, there's three or four of us players who were like long-term rehab and like one physio at the, and this is when Sydney was like locked down, like you couldn't do anything. But we got exemptions to go to a club and do rehab under like COVID, strict COVID rules. Um, and we were just sort of, the all the boys were in the hubs and we were just kind of plugging away. Um, just isolated in doing, Sydney. I was living with dad at the time because like, you know, I couldn't walk, couldn't, you know, kind of struggle to move around at all. So. We'll kind of just kind of laughing sometimes with you know I'd be just changing my game ready ice machine like twenty four seven and trying to help me you know just put put some pants on and just kind of get around. Um, so definitely like sometimes it was like funny because of how ridiculous it was. Yeah. Um, yeah, and then it just kind of like spirals into all right like rehab and just unfortunately I just couldn't get anything going. Um, yeah, so got about two, two, eight to ten weeks in, and then just kind of hit this big wall. Went back like three steps. Um, new physios came in. They're like, you're kind of at day one, and this is like ten weeks in. Like, you, like I didn't have a quad. Like all, all the muscles around my knee just completely just atrophied and shut off. Um, and so I had to build up, build up to, build up to run, um, and then. My first run, you know, they make a huge deal out of Boys everyone's line up first, and cheer, first yeah. run after after an ACL. It's been about five, six months at that point. Usually it's like probably four. Um, but I was like, I was just really pushing for it. Like I just needed like a little win. So I was just gunning for that first run. But I was probably like not fully right. And so I remember I ran through this, you know, they do the big whatever it is and carry on and I'm like head down I hate that stuff so I was just like just get me through and I just ran and did a lap and I was like this feels shit ass <laughs> and um 
then so I sort of did another one because I was like, I can't just come out here after all that carry on, do one lap and walk back inside. Like I'll look like an absolute idiot. So I was just like, mate, I would have looked that bad. I would have been running like I had a pole up my ass. Like I was, yeah. I was just doing, I probably did about two or three token ones. And then I sort of said to the physio at the time and Matt Cameron, who I got really close to throughout the whole journey. And I was like, it's not great. Like, um, so I went in. And then we sort of, I had a check up with the surgeon, like just normal sort of check-in about three, four days later. And this was just before Chrissy going. He's like, you need, you need to get, I reckon we need to go in and do a, just a clean out. It's pretty, it's like back on the knife, but nothing too major. But I was like pretty flat, but he was like, I think it'll be good. Like it'll get you humming again. And I, at this point, I just needed like some sort of circuit breaker. So I was pretty like optimistic about it. So I was just trying to dodge. This was right when like COVID was just running rampant and like everyone was getting ISO'd. Like remember you were staying with us. Oh, this is the start of 2022. Yeah. yeah so yeah. you came and stayed I with us. I got COVID at your house. You got, you and Seeker <laughs> got COVID at my house. So I couldn't come home. I went and stayed at dad's because I was I had to get surgery. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. So I was getting surgery and trainer you were staying my I, house. I nearly gave you COVID so you couldn't you have almost surgery. gave me it but I just got lucky that I didn't and then and I wasn't a close contact and um so I could go in yeah, and get, after New Year's Eve or yeah, New Year's Day yeah so I was yeah. lucky I just dodged you so that's why you had the surgery there and then so I had the surgery then um and then it was meant to just sort of like set me back a couple of weeks but what happened is just completely lost my quad again like all my muscle and I ended up not like, it just ended up being a fair setback in the grand scheme of things. And I didn't run until two, three months later. And by that point, the season had, um, season had started and I was sort of hoping to be back around, around seven, eight. And all of a sudden that was just not gonna happen. You had this like, you had this like year to date, didn't you? Yeah, well they sort of show at the start, they show you this yearly plan. It's like, all right, like here's the benchmarks and here's when we're gonna hit them and here's how it goes. And so I was just in my head, I was like, all right, bang, like let's let's go. And then it just got pretty deflating around that time. Like, And what you probably haven't touched on here, which I'll help you with, there's a lot of uh, little things you're doing just to get your quad moving and you're doing so much recovery and so much repetitive stuff for yeah. your knee throughout this process for a, for a long time and then to start again and then also have three months of complications um, and now you're at the start of the season and, and it's starting to get to the point where you're like, I might not be playing again, like the whole year. Yeah, yeah. So that's when it really started to get challenging mentally. Um, up until that point, I was like, just kind of just keep going, keep going. But then once you just like, you, you know, I was rocking up the club every day, just doing like, you know, a full day rehab, same stuff every day, just getting no results really. And so that just became really deflating and I really started to kind of just struggle with it all um, and just struggle to get up like each day and just rock up the rehab. Like I was rocking up, but you know, I, was, I wasn't myself. Like In a dark spot? In a pretty dark spot, yeah. like. You know, the big guys at the club who probably sort of remember, like I was just nowhere near the person I was like before that. Like I was just um, pretty just drained like mentally and just was sort of just sticking myself, just kind of isolate. Like rehab can like be pretty isolating, but sometimes you can also like isolate yourself a little bit because you're just so caught up in your own, like getting your own injury right. It, 
you can kind of lose the bigger picture of it all. Um, so it's like, I just always have this like sense of like perspective, like it's all good. Like, you know, there's worse things out there. Um, but sometimes you're just kind of facing your own reality each day and like gratitude and perspective, like they're great, but you can lose sight of them when yeah, nothing, do. like you just can't, there's something you just want to get right and you can't get it right. Um, so that's when, you know, it started to really sort of challenge me. And um, I just kind of like, luckily I had a few people around that really helped me and um, the physio, Matt Cameron, we became pretty close and he was great because he, he, he always kept, think, kept things pretty light. Like he was, had a, we got along, had a good sense of humour so we could have a laugh, but, and he sort of got it, like yeah. um, how sort of challenging it was. And there's just, sometimes you just need someone to know that, you know, like you're struggling a bit. Yeah. Um, and I was, I've always been like really poor at sort of showing that yeah. or kind of reaching out. Um, so I was just kind of trying to fight it myself and yeah, it's just like, you know, it's funny, like in footy with like long-term injuries and rehab, it can really kind of roll you in a way. Um, and guys go through it all the time and I became actually like really embarrassed because I thought, you know, like I got through like a lot of hurdles before, I just couldn't figure out why this one was like affecting me so much. So I became embarrassed about how like down it was getting me and like how I just couldn't like just kind of get my knee right. Um, so then I just sort of went into my shell a bit and just sort of um, tried to just kind of get it done by myself. And I was, you know, I had guys like Binger, Brent Daniels was going through it last year with his hammy as well. And I was just like, yeah, I sort of had him and Phil Davis was in rehab and you know Phil would help me out so much throughout the journey anyway but um sometimes you just need to kind of have other guys and you're kind of in it together in a way and um that would kind of keep you keep you going and you'd kind of just be doing all your rehab together and you'd just be talking shit and it'd yeah. just kind of get you up and then just distract your mind yeah just distract your mind and you know me and Phil could and Bingo could just talk for hours about you know random footy topics and stuff so it was always something to talk about, but um, yeah, and then eventually, like, just you know, you you're there every day. You got all the resources, so eventually, you're probably going to make a breakthrough. Kind of started to make some progress. Was out there on the track eventually mid year. What time's this mid year? This would be about like around, June, like probably around twelve ish. Like around twelve, thirteen. Like I was iron like a. Were you still trying to get back for the end yeah, of the year? Yeah, I was. No, I was trying. I was just trying my ass off to get back, which was ambitious because like my knee was still nowhere near like the passing all the benchmarks that had to be hit um but i was out there on the track like i was doing match play but no contact and um so i was just gunning for it and then it gave me like a bit of purpose too which i needed at the time and then all of a sudden hit another wall and just um got sore again couldn't run on it we didn't really know why. It was largely due to like the muscle around it still hadn't come back. But um, yeah, and then we just had to sort of, I remember we were like, all right, we'll give it two weeks, rest it, come back and run, try again. Gave it two weeks, first run back, like just as bad. And that's when <laughs> I, was, I wasn't happy. Um, and then we just pulled the plug on the year at that point and just had to start again almost. And went back, didn't run for probably eight to ten weeks and just did strength and rehab um 
like you would at the start of a sort of knee injury. But I, I was lucky that by this point it had been over a year. So the graft that they put in the ACL, is, that's fine, that's healed. It was just getting everything around it back. Um, so then sort of started like another process and it was just trial and error. Like I was on Zoom calls to a guy in Ireland doing mate, the most random like glute exercises you could ever imagine. And then there's a guy from Canberra who came and helped. Um, and so we're just sort of like, that's why I was really grateful with physios because they were, they, um, they were just getting different opinions. Like, like sometimes like that world, you can kind of get set in your own ways, but they were great at just kind of like trying, trying everything. Trying new things, yeah. Trying new things. And then it just started to work and eventually we kind of got a bit of run out. Finally saw my quad again, which I hadn't seen in, you know, over a year, like it, I, it was just flubber. Like I, it's my crazy. leg was like just a peg. That's crazy. Um, that started to come back, and then just as soon as I started seeing like actual progress, like that's when it just started. I was like, all right, like let's just fucking foot down, pedal to the metal, and get going. And then eventually started to come together. It's at that point. It's been a long time, and it's been a, you know you talked about being in a really dark place. Um, where was the darkest spot? Was it like that round 16, 17 when they told you season's done? Where, where, where'd you hit rock bottom? Because I got, a, I got that a, was probably I got like, a funny story here that I'm going to lead in, which is probably not funny, but it's no. Be. I mean, mate, I like looking back on it. I'm more than happy to like. I always try to make light of situations, so, so, so the, the I don't like to take myself too seriously. No, I know, know that. The, what you've gone through, and a lot of people, are, it's as bad as it gets. The repetitiveness, yeah. the the setback after setback after setback. We've already spoken about how many you've had. Don't take. People need to understand one calf issue that it's a serious one or a hammy or whatever is really bad. Doing three and then having another year of injuries and then having the, the migraine issues, which you, you didn't really... T- like, they were really serious. Like, stroke-like symptoms. You were out for a, an extended stint. You, you had to, like, stop drinking certain things. You had to start taking medication. Like, it was tough. We didn't know what was going to happen there. Then you come back. COVID hits you in the face. You get two games. Just get a contract. Remember, you're on one-year deals. Yeah. I know what that's like. You, you, you're thinking we're about We were riding it together. It's yeah, yeah, yeah. Cove, up in Gold yeah, yeah. Coast. So I'll hang them up so you can get one. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, he took the... It was sacrificial <laughs> lamb. Gave me another year. Um, and then you get the knee... In, you get in and then you do your knee... In, like, in one of the... Like, just a horrific knee injury, and you have all these problems again, and setback, 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 and then COVID picks up, and you've got to get another surgery, and then you, your season's out again, right? So, don't, don't underestimate how hard that would be. And people out there have just heard, like, that is a lot of fucking setbacks. Um, and throughout that, you're going to have some tough days, right? So, this is where the story is leading. They reckon, so then you tell me this is the truth. <laughs> you live with um, Connor Iden, Xavier Halloran at the time. Um, and maybe one other. Anyway, they reckon that they've all gone out in a few beers, and and you're a very I know where this is going. <laughs> you're a very zen guy. This is the you're, food. You're, yeah. you're down at the beach, reading a book, um, all this kind of stuff, right? And and if anyone knows Bucks, he doesn't he doesn't like the attention. Happy go lucky guy, like just chilling out. And they reckon they've come home and they can hear the food fighters being blasted out their house, and they're going, "What is going on inside our house?" And all of a sudden, they open the front door and they see half a dozen empty Carlton Dry stubbies on the coffee table. They see you streaming the Foo Fighters off the TV, playing air guitar and singing as hard as you can. Rumours are that you were even jumping and screaming on the couch. You'd hit the rock bottom, mate. There is so much mayo. They reckon you were just going for it on your own at home and they just thought, what is going on with this bloke? Is there any truth to that? Oh, you can't trust anyone. 
Um, yeah, so that is true. With, <laughs> there's plenty of mayo on the on the on the singing and the air guitar part, but it is a true story. I remember. Yeah, it's probably where that that <laughs> it's funny because Connor and Zade, who I live with, who are great mate, best mates of mine, um, they were probably like worried about me at the time because I just wasn't myself. So they've like one day was, on the weekend, it was like a Saturday, they were out somewhere, and I was just bored and I don't, I was just like fuck it, I'm gonna go buy. I think I bought like a couple six packs and just I was just watching heaps of like concerts on YouTube at the time. I love the Foo Fighters, a favourite band. And I just put them on the tally and just started sinking them. <laughs> <laughs> and, we, and just got like, I was just enjoying myself. And then I was sitting there and, you know, there's probably half a dozen empties and I was getting, I was just, it was probably right at the end of a set, you know, best of years come on, favourite song. It was up and about. And then the front door to the house walked, go straight in the living room and they've just walked in and it's like it's blaring and they, I've just looked at them and they've looked at me and they were just pissing themselves and then and then it was fun and then we ended up having a good night went out that was my own praise I had a solo praise to Fooies while they is, were out doing something else that but, is special oh, it was funny I would just wish we had footage of that that'd be uh, that'd be yeah well it became through that it's actually funny like I hadn't really spoken about it much, like, you know, and then Pru- Braden Proust caught wind of the story and he's like, mate, Fooey's like, love him. And then so we start, me, him and Dill Addison, the welfare manager, we started a band. That was just like, like, Prucey was injured as well and I had nothing going. Like, I was just like trying to find something to have fun with. So out the back of Dill Addison's office was this tiny room and Prucey got a drum set, like a drum kit, an electronic one. And we'll just go out the back and, and Dill Addison would be a guitar and I'd be front man singing. <laughs> like, and I can't sing. Like, I knew I was tone deaf, but I was just like, I need to have some fun. So we'd go in there and we'd pick like three songs and like we'd have a fooey song. I think like one of them was like The Scientist by Coldplay or something. And I'd just be there like butchering it on the vocals, <laughs> but loving it. And then like Prusy would be there on the drum set. It was just hilarious. Anything. And then, yeah, that's And then great. guys would sort of walk past and just like pop their head in and I'd get real sheepish. And then like they'd just be like, Going, oh, like, that's good. Yeah, I was going a bit all over the shop there. It is funny. When did it when did it turn? So then, I mean, while we um, round this one out, like it's but the reason it's gone for a long time here is because all these setbacks. It's why your story's you know it's, it's so good to see now where 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 we are. You're playing great footy, playing full back on all the biggest names in the game, and doing a great job of it. Like I said. You're going to have weeks where you get goals kicked on you because that's what's expected. These guys are on like a million bucks uh, around that every week and you're taking these guys down. And um, what went, like, when did you start, like, when did the knee become good? Like, was it the actual pre-season when you actually meant to start? Yeah, sort of back end of pre-season. Like, I, I had a pretty interrupt pre-season, like, did a calf and just, like, had a few, like, things I just sort of needed to get past with the knee. And then sort of around February, I felt good, was coming in the year, but I hadn't had enough of pre-season to get that round one call up. So um, I just needed to play maybe a week or two in the twos, get some form and then see if I could crack the one side. But I was named emergency. And then Lecalier round one made an incredibly selfless decision to pull himself out because his quad wasn't right. He had got a scan and he actually had a um, torn quad. Um, and then I was just there and at the game. Oh, I was so like, come in, yeah. I've come in late in, first game back. So I had no time to think about it. Um, so I was straight in. 
and then just started playing footy again. It just sort of went from there and um, was playing down back and then was, you know, loving being back playing with, you know, playing with Sammy and Connor down back, I love, and all, all the other boys, Withers, Hainsey, with, like, yeah. guys I love playing with and Cheese, uh, Isaac Cumming. Um, so, and then Sammy went down and then I sort of had to kind of step in there, like, I mean, I'm not going to fill those shoes. He's an All-Australian, so he's, he's best in the comp in my eyes. But um, so I had to kind of start taking that number one key forward. And I just, the thing I love about and how I found a home down back is I, I love just kind of having a challenge. And, you be them, really? Yeah, me. Yeah, exactly. So They might um, have the talent or what do you want to call it, but I've got that, what, what you've had your whole life. Yeah, like yeah. Like you said, you've always had that competitive. I love being like backed in by coaches kind of when I get given a role like I really hold on to it yeah. um and I love sort of like you know proving people right along the way like I don't really care about there's no one really to prove wrong in my story because I don't think I had that many doubters because you know I wasn't like really trying all the time to break through and guys were telling me oh you can't make it it was more like a certain group of people believed in me and I just kind of wanted to like prove them right and make them like feel proud of it so now that like I'm, you know, playing week in, week out, I really try and kind of hold on to that. And, you know, the, there's definitely a lot of gratitude in terms of rehab and like playing each week, like how much of a privilege that is, um, is a part of it. But also just, um, yeah, repaying the faith of coaches who give me big roles um, during this last sort of two, two months especially um, and just trying to get it done. And it's... it's it can be hard sometimes when you're playing on some on some stars. So I have to get used to getting goals kicked on me. Um, which you wouldn't like. Which I've struggled with. But then you got to realise, like, you know, there's a lot of talent going around. Yeah, there. there's a, a lot of talent. And I'm just, you know, I'm just, a, I'm a, I'm a, I call myself a cat B battler. So I'm just trying <laughs> to get a fist in wherever I can. So, um, and then, you know, whenever I give up a goal, you know, you feel like you're letting the team down. And, but, no, I'm just, I'm loving it. And, you know, I, the the faith that, you know, my teammates put in me and, and the coaches is just something I'm so grateful for and something I just, like, really want to pay back. And that's what, you know, really drives me to get out there and just oh, get awesome. after it. Ah, it's great, mate. And that's, like I said, you've, you've done it the hard way. And I think anyone out there that, um, there's a lot of people out there that have done it tough and nothing's easy nothing's given you've got to earn it and, and um you know life throws some crazy things at you and you've had a really tough run from a young age as we spoke about briefly at the start um, there's so many lessons in your story it's so inspiring i hope that you know i think a lot of people this is what i love talking about with people is like you know we, we talk about their story more than or like certain things more than what they just see on the tv and I no doubt reckon everyone now is going to watch you and see that how competitive you are. And even I watch, like, I love it when you, not I love it, but when you do get beaten, I always look at you and you're punching the grass and you're fucking angry. I didn't get better at it. It's, it's like I've just kicked a goal on you in FIFA, like, but it's, it's good. It's what, as a fan, that's what you want. You want blokes that care, that are like, you know, they, they don't like giving up that stuff. They try their hardest every week. So that way it's really easy to identify what they need to work on and, Man, I'm just so proud of you and so happy that, like, see you. Like, I think the best thing is, like you just said, everyone knew you'd get there. It's probably, no, but it's probably, no, but you're in your own head. Yeah, I mean, you probably, yeah. you don't realise because you, 
you're in your own head so much and these setbacks and I, and I kind of think about it when I, you know you think about yourself and that yeah. I, I know how it feels like once you get injured like mate when I come to the Giants I thought I was going to come on play 100 games on the wing be this versatile winger mate after a year I was thinking about what they were thinking of me thinking oh, I'm not durable but that was not yeah. the case all this stuff in your head that you, yeah. you just build up this story it's yeah, all exactly. this jargon where you're wasting your own time and like you've had setback 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 one year contract one year contract like all this stuff, and now to see you, as I said, being named in these fantasy uh, yeah. all Australian squads. Not that you give a stuff about that, but it's pretty cool to see how, where you've come from. Yeah, no, it's, it's just, you know, it's kind of like I almost get embarrassed in these positions because, you know, I don't really think much of it yeah. myself. Um, and so, you know, I never thought I'd be a podcast guest for starters and just sitting here talking about myself for, you know, however long. The listeners probably tuned out by now, but no way. I'm banging on that much. But, um, yeah, it's definitely just, it's a bit surreal at times, definitely. And you, the main thing is you kind of, you don't want to lose sight of that, like how how good it is to be in this position. And, you know, like definitely, like I've said, there's been some hard times, but there were times, growing, like I was so fortunate growing up to, you know, like where I was living, the family I, I had, like, um, and even now, like just being a footy player, even when I was in rehab, it's like, you know, like I'm getting... I'm getting paid to like fix my knee. Like there's people out out there, you know, have to pay to get it fixed. So like there's so many times where you kind of got to remind yourself of that. And now that I'm like everything's going well and I'm, I'm in there again, you, you kind of just want to like keep enjoying the little things because like it can be, you know, who knows what can happen. It can be ripped away from me again. Like, you know, chances are like there's going to be another setback along the way, but you kind of got to set set yourself up that they just you know you can get through them and and surround yourself with the right people that you can get through them with a with a smile and a laugh and have fun along the way and and never like you know I just don't want to take things too seriously until they until you're out there on the on the footy field and you've got to and you you know you're defending lead ups like your life depends on it but um yeah you get I just want to at the moment the main focus is just kind of having fun along the way yeah um, it's good. Yeah, that's definite. And then, you know, there's there's so many different ways you can end up in this position. So, you know, for, for you know, whoever's sort of like growing up, like don't focus, like you, the draft is not the be all and end all. Like there's so, so many things can happen. Like everyone sort of follows your, your usual kind of pathways that, um, yeah, the main message would just be like, just have fun. And then, you know, you might, I got lucky, but um, at the very least, you're going to like create some great memories and meet some great people. And even if I didn't, like I had so many people who, you know, gave me so much stuff that I can take to any form of life. It's great advice. While you're on the advice, I want you to give some more advice to maybe you going through your dark times or anyone else out there going through a real tough time with injuries or setbacks when it's an extended period of time. Yours was about a year and a half, that second one. You had about a, you know, f- f- you know I don't know how long, five years of just, you know, ups and downs, mostly downs. If you were to sum it all up and say, I just wish that I did something a bit differently for my, men- you know, for my mentals and, you know, just mental health. You know, you, you said that you tried to shelve things and all that. Yeah. What would your advice be to, to those people? No, the first and foremost thing that most people would say would just be like, always reach out. Like, there's just always definitely people in your life that just want to help but they're just waiting for an opportunity to help so like give them that opportunity and I probably didn't do that as well as I could have at times um, 
But then also like just have things outside. Like I just didn't probably have enough outside of footy that I was, I could throw myself into. Cause like I could be obsessive with stuff, but I became really obsessive on the knee mm. that I couldn't kind of take that attention to something else and sort of take my mind away from it. So like kind of find hobbies and it can just be like anything. Like it doesn't have to be big or it can be something really small and just kind of enjoy something really small. So each day you've got something to look forward to. So that would probably be the main one, just kind of like find things away from like what you're struggling with to, to bring you a bit of joy. But it's great advice. You know, there's there's <laughs> there's a lot better people than me to give out advice. So hey, no. go find some other resources because um, I'm sure there's some people listening to this who I know who think I'm probably the worst person. No, you keep putting yourself down. Stop talking yourself down. You are a great man and you're a very, the most important thing is you're a great person, right? And then, and then the reason everyone loves you before you even step on there, your work rate's through the roof, right? And then you've got to stop telling, dude, this negative talk, we're getting out of that. We're getting <laughs> yeah, out of that. Yeah, that's why I'm, it's a Backman I'm mentality. not going to No, Backman mentality. I need to swing you back to the forward line so you kick some goals and you Oh, Damn. mate, I was no good up for it. The one claim to fame I had was in a NEFL practice game. Me and, me and Ricky combined for 15, and that was the only thing over. Well, that might be leading into your Milwaukee uh, handy moment. Mate, thank you so much. You know you don't come on the empty-handed. Now, chuck the Rixies on. I've the got you the Black Marlins there, mate. This is, I've had a few of these over the yeah, years. Yeah, these are a different one for you. You're normally a Melrose no, man. Oh, look at them. Are you a good-looking rooster coming. as well? No, no. One thing that I'll you haven't spoken about is, is, the, uh, is the rig. One of the best rigs no. I've ever seen. And I reckon that whatever those, um, <laughs> those migraine pills you're on, if you can sling them over the trains, oh, I wouldn't mind getting eight kilos, i tell oh, you what. I'll walk out. <laughs> um, Rick's in retirement uh, is our normal segment. But we changed it up with the boys just recently. We went with Rick's on tour. Tour. So you get to pick, I know we've had sports where I am and you've got a voucher and we randomly plucked a few cities, but if you were to go on the off season, October, I've just mapped it out because that's preferably the ideal yeah. spot for an um, AFL player in the off season. After final. Yeah, you've got only two people you're allowed to take with from the club and you're allowed to go to one location with the Rixies. Who would you take and where would you go? Oh, that's a good one. Um, all right, I'll probably, I'll stick to... Um, I haven't been overseas with Sammy yet. Last year I went with Connor and Dave and all Sammy those Sammy Taylor guys. for those. So Sammy Taylor, I'll I'll take Sammy and and we'll um we'll bring we'll bring seek other you know chief energy. Biden's cop two invites now and that's great. Yeah, well there's there's no doubt that he wherever you go with Connor Iden, you're gonna have a good time. So there's a reason for that. The energy's infectious. He's uh, he'll be on the pod soon. He yeah, is no, there. he's all all timer. Um, and then I reckon we go Europe. I'm thinking. Are oh, you gonna go Europe? Yeah, yeah. I. It's been on the radar for a few of the boys. So last year we did the States. So maybe I'd love to go to Italy. Somewhere maybe, I probably don't know it well enough, but, or maybe Barcelona. I've, that's Spain. I know my geography. Yeah, yeah. I know it's not Italy. Let's go, <laughs> let's go Barcelona. Oh, with, you can't go with wrong Sammy with Barcelona. Seeker, Those two. I can see you running boys around in the Rixies. Yeah, a few booths in the Rixies at, <laughs> at night. Oh, how good's that? Yeah, no, nah, it'll be good. So we'll, we'll see how that pans out. That's great. There you go. Now, this is where you have to be positive to yourself. You need to pump yourself up because, again, this is our Milwaukee Tool handiest moments of your career. When you think about something you've done that's really handy on the footy field, mate, as now a, a dirty Cat B defender or whatever you what do you call yourself down there? The Cat B battler. The Cat B battler. Yeah. Or if it's up forward or on the wing because you have played there, uh, what is the Milwaukee Tool handiest moment of your career so far when you think of it? 
Um, oh, geez, I'm, you know I'm not good at this sort of stuff. There's um, got to be one, though, that you go, oh, I'm pretty happy with that, and I wouldn't mind it being clipped up by the boys and Jeffrey over there and uh, train chucking it up on the Osmerican oh, races. It was, a, it was a couple of weeks ago where I just got this real rush of blood where I sort of picked it up one-handed. We were playing the Cats, and I was on Jezza, who, you know, best player in the comp, and I was so shocked that I'd done the one-handed pick-up because it's just not on the kit bag. And then giving it off to, I think it was Briggsy, and I've just I've gone for the one two, which I've never done before. Got it back and was just sort of like, yeah, when I get the ball without a plan, like <laughs> shit can go wrong quickly <laughs> for this guy because I, I can't think on the fly. But somehow sort of pieced my way through traffic and found Lloydie and then it went down the other end and go, went for a goal. So I, I think that is by far and away the, the best thing outside of just spoiling Because <laughs> <laughs> usually it's just fist out and then sort of like let everyone else move the ball. Yeah. But once I'd done the one-handed pickup, I was like, maybe I do want the nurry back in the hands and just sort of like <laughs> see what else is out there. And then went went and found Jezza pretty quickly and just went back shoulder. Yeah, and just went oh, back that is great. Oh, well done, mate. Well, while we're on the handy moment, I'll tell you what mine was, and I want to clarify this. Yeah. The AFL Central team put up a, uh, a photo <laughs> yeah. of all these players that have never taken a bounce. And I, and I literally saw it on Instagram, and then I was watching a game on tally, and I see... The great, man, the great man running down the wing and you've taken a bounce and you've just got it back and then you've gone for another one and just absolutely murdered it. Oh. And I, went, I reckon he's just had a look at this. Well, that's why it wasn't the handiest moment because I literally <laughs> I showed everyone in the world why I should not bounce the footy. Is that honestly though, did you see that? that yeah, hit? so when, you, when stuff like that, like that team with the bounces, like so you, it, people send it to me. Like I don't see it, I don't follow them, but... Um, like everyone sends it to you and like we're all having a laugh I'm like oh that's funny how good is that I reckon I'm going to be the only player on that who actually doesn't have a bounce in their career like I just never I didn't think one was coming anytime soon and then the night before me, me um, Connor and Zave were on the couch watching a Doggies game because Cody Waitman was on the team and he took a bounce yeah and we think, and we it sort of came up and we sort of saw it and there's like tick on his seat yeah there. yeah and um, I was like Maybe I'll, maybe I'll get one tomorrow. <laughs> and then so in the game, I was just like, I, I saw space and I was like, holy shit, like, all right, let's have one. And then I was just praying, like praying for someone to tick up the leg because like when I get the ball, I want to get rid of it. So, and then not, nothing was coming. So I had to take another one. And then, you know, as, <laughs> as the vision will show, I've just panicked. I've saw Cads open and just gone and then just, and one of the worst handballs ever. Just dribbled it out of bounds and and showed why why key backs like me who are pretty dour shouldn't shouldn't take two running bounces <laughs> on the wing. Well, there you go. That just shows you that the man can do anything if you set him a task. <laughs> um, that's fantastic, mate. And it's uh, probably the the clanger. We need a clanger segment. We used to have the caps clanger. That's probably your one. But yeah, the Milwaukee tool. I've got plenty jacket, of mate. That's uh, that's going home with you, mate. It's the go-to for protection. Uh, from the elements on the job site or when you're enjoying the outdoors or as I said to the boys if you're doing a real cold Bronte session it's a bit winter which is not that cold up here but does get cold sometimes whack the jacket on that thing will charge up you've got three levels there fire it up um, and you literally you you won't be cold immediately it's it's uh it's got the starter kit it is really special mate it's it's powered there by the m12 red lithium iron batteries which we've got right here they're going home with you uh, Milwaukee tool, they just do it all. They've got the best, you know, if you're a tradie or you're not a tradie, it doesn't matter. You get, you, you got something there. I mean, I always think of their big speakers when yeah. I think of them at tools. Now you've got the jackets. 
Well, I'm the least handy bloke going around, so this this might be a kickstart. Maybe I can, you know, get to work on something. That's brilliant. Before you go, who's the hardest? Who's the hardest forward you've played on so far? Oh, uh, Jezza was. Um, Cause he moves so he's, much. Yeah, he's well, he's just so good. He's always moving. He's a, he can do anything. And then um, I, I rate Nick Larky really yep. highly. He probably doesn't get talked about as much as he probably should. He um, works really hard, doesn't he? Yeah, just really like good lead up player, really big, strong. So I think he, I think he's a star that probably one that doesn't get probably talked about enough. Who, good. Who should definitely be talked about. As one of the better key forwards in the comp, yeah. Yeah, I like it. And any any anyone that's coming up on the ranks that you, you know, your little fantasy, uh, like especially AFL. But like, is there any young forwards that you've seen live in the AFL where you think, oh, this guy's going to be a star? Oh well, I mean, it's not it's sort of you. saying play- anything special, but I played on Max King, and you know, <laughs> he kicked four of me. So I, I mean, he's game. already a star, but he's so young. So I mean, he, I mean, he could be anything. So. Yeah, I'm probably, probably not a great one to comment on talent because I just sort of can't really see it myself. But I haven't got much of it. So. Here he is. Um, to- Toby likes it. He's one that likes to spot them early and plant his flag on, on, on young forwards and then sort of ride them throughout the journey. So um, yeah, He's pretty he's good, Tobes, actually, as well. I'll give it to him. We don't like letting him know that, though. As don't. a player? No, no, I mean at picking players. and. Oh, no, good, yeah. yeah. As a player. As a player, I was like, <laughs> I think, Switch on. Yeah, freshman's quiet. Yeah, no, he's um he loves, and just like, he'll go pretty obscure too. Like, he yeah, won't no, just, he goes out there. Yeah, he's not like he's just going to plant his flag on you. He know. was big on you, actually, uh, which was No, yeah, that's a probably a good one I didn't touch on was how much he, he did for me when in that times where, you know, my first, second year, where I wasn't going that well. Because you were playing forward and he really backed you in. And no, really did, yeah. But having someone like him would have been really valuable. No, he saw more than me in me than probably I saw in myself at the time. Like, he, he was backing me in and gave me a lot of confidence. And, um, yeah, just kind of... You, you don't need many in your corner, but when you've got someone like him and, you know, Phil Davis was probably another one along the way. Guys like that who were just sort of like felt like you could make it, that definitely helps mm. on the way. So, mate, I can't speak about Tub high enough. Unless yeah. it's about FIFA, then oh yeah, we then won't give him too much of get stuff. It's no good. <laughs> Here goes all right, mate. Thanks so much for your time. I really appreciate you uh, telling your story. It's a it's a really cool story. There's a lot of people out there that are going to relate to this one. Um, you keep <laughs> getting so. that fist in. No trailings. Keep taking these beasts uh, down. Uh, you're going to have some you know down weeks, but some really good weeks like you had. And man, keep keep putting your name out there because it's awesome to see. Really, yeah, as I said, mate, thanks for jumping on. Uh, you go home with a few prizes. I'm looking forward to seeing what you do with the sports where I am voucher, the nice juicy it's voucher, handy. that one. I That's hope you take handy. me with you. Yeah, so mate. If you go to the States and don't go You've got me MJ Bell suits. You're giving me, you're giving me vouchers, Richies. You, I, I need to start giving back to you more. <laughs> you got me on the podcast. I never thought I'd be on a podcast. It's been a pleasure, mate. So thanks for having me. Nah, pleasure, Ed. Thanks to everyone that tunes in. Really appreciate your support. Let us know what you think of this one uh, in the Instagram little feedback session there that I'll put up, a little feedback session. It's like we're in the, uh, in the four walls still. Yeah. We'll put up a poll um, right in because we do pass it on. And, and let us know what you loved about this one. I can't thank our sponsors enough. Sports where I am. How good's that? If you're going overseas, well, there's only one place you're booking your tickets. It's with them. And if you need some tools, well, Milwaukee Tools have got it all. Especially if you're going to the footy snow or you're going to Canberra to watch the Giants soon, get yourself a heated jacket. That's it. I'm done. Thank you so much for your support and we'll see you in the next one.
Milwaukee's MX Fuel equipment system revolutionizes the light equipment market by delivering the performance and durability demanded by the trades. From the MX Fuel cutoff saw to the MX Fuel tower light, MX Fuel has you covered without the hazards associated with emissions, noise, vibration, and the frustrations of petrol maintenance. MX Fuel, equipment system, equipment redefined. Attention sports fans, planning an overseas trip to catch your favorite games? Look no further than sports where I am. They've got it all. League schedules, trustworthy tickets, and over 200 cities to choose from, all conveniently on one website. Plus, as an Australian company, they know the importance of great customer service for those long haul journeys. So visit sportswhereiam.com and start planning your dream sports trip today. Sports Where I Am, your ticket to an unforgettable sports travel experience.